humans, gentle ladies, lad men, ladies and gentlemen, dreamers and dreams alike, and welcome to the Devolver Digital Forecast here at forecast.devolverdigital.com. Hi, I'm your co-host JM. And I am Jared. Hey Jared, how's it going? It's alright, it's alright, how you doing? Doing alright, doing alright. Uh, it's a beautiful day, and uh, yeah, doing a podcast the old-fashioned way. Nice, <laughs> I like it. Just wanted to rhyme. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, did you enjoy the great summer showcase of games? The, the, the not E3? <laughs> the not E3? Yeah. 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 I didn't see a lot of stuff, but I checked it out. It was pretty good. Some neat, some neat stuff. Nice. You know, nice. some interesting things. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of games that look pretty, pretty cool to me that I was like, oh, neat. All right. I want to follow up on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of games coming out. I, 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 I think. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like video games is a is 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 a profitable industry, and I think it's doing well. I don't know. It may no. if if it can catch up to you know like the CD, then maybe. But you know, sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's you. I mean, you're right. It's probably just a fad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Post pandemic fad. Um, did you see the Devolver Digital Direct this year? Yeah, we uh, it, you know went over really well. Yeah, it sure give did. Give a uh, give a big hand to everyone involved. <laughs> it's, it's <true. laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, the Devolver Digital Direct is available for watching. I think there's even still DevolverDirect.com is probably a web page that we have, or I just made oh, up, yeah. and now I'm sending people to a porn site on accident. <laughs> um, it's on YouTube, I think. I think. Yeah, we've got Someone, it on our YouTube. Yeah, it just wants sure. to watch it if you didn't see it. Yeah, it's really good. I actually went back and watched it with some friends of mine, just like on a call, like, "Hey, you want to watch this?" Um, nice. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was really good. It's a change in direction from the previous shows, but I think it. I think I think every year, like they're they're better and better. Yeah, well, it's good to keep it different. I think you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was good. It was lovely. So, and then we got all kinds of games announced. Human Fall Flat Two. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, what was the other the other new one? What was the other new one? The Jared, what was the other new one? <laughs> I'm well. See now that I don't want to say the wrong one because <laughs> so many new games coming out. I was like, wait a minute, is that the one? Wait, who oh was no! It? <laughs> what was it? Shit! Ah, oh, shit! Why are we so bad at this? No, we already we already okay. did Talos 2. We did Hang Talos on. 2. And I got to be in that trailer. I was in the Talos yes. 2 trailer. And everyone's like, you're so British. And I was like, thank you. Uh, and then... Sludge Life 2. Sludge <laughs> Life 2, the demo. Mm-hmm. Is, is that... Oh, and um, Baby Steps. Baby That's the one. Steps. Yeah. Baby Steps. To... <laughs> it was Baby Steps. Oh, that trailer's so good. So funny. So funny. <laughs> the dialogue in that game. So excellent. Just uh I can't wait. I think people are gonna love it. Someone has asked about people have asked about the voice, and it's really funny because it's just the devs. It's just Yeah, them. yeah. They're just they're just killing it. They're just crushing it. Yeah, yeah. So we've got lots of things coming out on the horizon. Lots and lots of video games for people to wish list and buy right now go wish list it you can't buy all of them yet mm-hmm. i was hanging out with a friend the other day and he was telling me he's because so he's a big ape out fan he loves ape out yeah 
And it was funny, he was telling me, he's like asking about, you know, E3, mm-hmm. I say in quotes, but like just different stuff. And he said, yeah, I saw this trailer for this game and it looked really weird. And he's like, and I wondered if you've heard of it because it's the same guy who did Ape Out I saw at the beginning. And I was like, Baby Steps? Like, yeah. I was like, dude, that's our game. <laughs> he's like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> nice. So. Ape Out's so good. Oh, yeah. Classic. And, yeah. And then, of course, Volvi. We got to bring back Devolver's beloved mascot, Volvi. From from many moons ago. Yeah, from many moons ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, it's great. I mean, he was, Volvi was, I think, as we all, uh, as we all feel now that we have been reminded of his existence, a very important part of my childhood and probably one of the nicest ways that, like, Devolver, I feel like, was involved in so many of our childhoods. Oh, yeah. Definitely um, shaped my upbringing a lot. For better or for worse, right? He was, yeah. Mostly worse, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah, and it's, it's uh, you know, Devolver has a, a reputation for, like, super violent games and for super intelligent games that only, like, the smartest of adults could understand. Again, games like Talos Principle, Baby Steps, these kinds of games. But I think Genital it's a, jousting. Genital jousting. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Uh, but I think it's important to remember that we have games that, like, are, you know, that are okay for younger folks, younger audiences as well. Games like Pikuniku, Omnibus. Mm-hmm. I would say Ape Out is a great one, as long as you're ready for your kid to, like, flip shit and break a table. Yeah, yeah. It's got the aggression, but, I mean, it's, it's pretty, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's got blood, but, I mean, kids see blood all the time. Oh, nope, was about to go dark there about public schools Oof. in America. Not going to go there. Um, we've got lots of games that are okay. And and among those, we've even got some upcoming, uh, one or two upcoming titles that might be all right for the youngins. And uh, this is the clumsy segue that I promised our guest uh, as we <laughs> pivot to talk about uh previously sorts of ditto in some ways but upcoming the plucky squire from all possible futures ladies and gentlemen jamie turner whoa hi i didn't realize the segue was going to be that slick it was (laughs) it was cool good good oh good i on the one hand, yay. On the other hand, I, I, I dread to know what your expectation of how bad the segue was going to be, because I can't imagine it being too much worse. It blew my expectations away. It was, it was yes. great. Wonderful. It was awesome. uh, well, welcome, Jamie. Thank you. To the Devolver Digital Forecast. Thank you very much. It's awesome to be here and to meet you uh, yeah. across, across the internet and mm-hmm. uh, have a chat. It's cool. Looking forward to it. Yeah, someday we'll do we'll do Jared and I are always at the shows and right. someday we'll have more shows and more oh, yeah. people at shows and then we'll get to meet people in real life. Yeah, always good. That would be great. We'll, yeah. we'll probably be we're hard at work at the moment, but once we go into promotional mode or like showing people the game, yeah. I imagine shows will be in our future. So yeah. meeting up then that would be cool. It's gonna be in at least one possible future. Yes. One of the timelines. Uh, oh, the booth. I'm just imagining the booth for Plucky Squire. That'd be that's gonna be badass. It's gonna be cute as hell. You're gonna transfer people from 2D to 3D. Exactly. So, Jamie, what uh, precisely is your role uh, with Plucky Squire 
and like kind of what is you, your general role when developing video games? Uh, well, I lean more on the art side of things. Um, mm-hmm. um, I'm an artist, uh, animator, uh, also a game director. I've directed a few games in the past. And on the Plucky Squire, I'm co-director. Uh, mm-hmm. Bids is the other co-director. And he's handling more of the uh, design side of things uh, and leading the design, uh, like leading the design group and the programmers. And then mm-hmm. I'm more kind of supervising the art side of things and doing some of the design. And then we both kind of put our heads together and direct the game together. That's kind mm-hmm. of how it works. Yeah. How big of a team are y'all working with? That is a good question. Like the figures, <laughs> the figures. <laughs> Vary. We looked on our SVN list the other day, and I think there was something like 47 people on there. But it doesn't feel like day-to-day we're working with 47 people. So there are, there's like a, a core group of people that we're working with every day. And I would say that is about maybe 18 people, something like that. And then there are mm. the people from Devolver. There are people from studio, other studios that are kind of helping us out. Uh, and then when you tally them all up, it comes to that um, that bigger number. But on a day-to-day basis, it's about kind of 18-ish people, I think. Okay. Yeah. Are those people with all possible features or is all possible features just you two? N- well, yeah, we, we, they work uh, for all possible futures. So, okay. Yeah. Nice. That's right. Nice. And then we and have the rest. Yeah, yeah, we have also kind of a milligram between that is uh, people like um, the music creator uh, called Mike, mm. who is working at a company called Laced, who is working with us to produce the music. So that's how that works. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Talented nice. folk. Also talented folk. It's fun. It's good. Excellent. Coming together, make a fun, talented game. Yeah. Uh, so... How have you? How long have you been in the indie game scene? In the indie game scene, um, yeah. Well, this is the first indie game that I've really, yeah, been fully involved with. I guess like a hundred percent involved with. I I did yeah. create two games before in Game Freak that are kind of you would almost think they're kind of indie games. They're smaller. Mm-hmm. smaller games and Game Freak is an independent studio but they're kind of published yeah. they were published by Nintendo and Sega yeah. who are not particularly indie you wouldn't call them indie developers no no <laughs> <laughs> so I guess this would be the, f- the first fully uh, indie game that I'm fully involved with nice would we have heard of those other games yeah I, I uh, directed one called Harmonite which was on the uh eShop or the 3DS okay. store and I, I directed another one called Tembo the Badass Elephant which was about a badass elephant uh, <laughs> and that was for Sega and that was on PlayStation 4 and uh, yeah and Xbox One and PC that was Tembo the Badass Elephant yeah he was, uh, Does he skateboard awesome. or something? Yeah, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> he smashes stuff up, a lot of stuff. He, oh, hell yeah. yeah. He, he, so this is right in line with Ape Out. Kind of like, yeah, if you imagine a elephant crossed with Rambo on a kind of a, a mission to save a city 
he's dropped in by the military from a like an airdrop from a helicopter. Okay. He gets dropped into a, a town and he has to uh, clear out all of the evil forces in the town by smashing through their tanks and smashing through buildings and, and that kind of thing. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah. Nice. Well, uh, I mean, how did you, I mean, if you don't mind, like, how did you get involved in video games? Like, what is your, how did you begin? Was it on purpose? Was it an accident? <laughs> yeah, it was purposeful. There was, yeah. there was intent behind, behind that. Um, so when I was a kid, I would draw my own video games and video game characters and stuff like that. So it was always something that I wanted to do. And then I went to university and studied computer graphics with the idea that I wanted to be a video games artist. And then yeah. uh, from there, it was a pretty direct route. Um, I applied for jobs in England and I got a job at a company called Blue 52, which is, it, it was a studio, it doesn't exist anymore, but they did like yeah. Disney titles and they did a stealth game uh, called Stolen. And that was where I met uh, one Jonathan Biddle, or Bids, who is now my partner in All Possible Futures. Uh, and that was like, that was ages ago. That was 2000, so like 23 years ago now. Uh, oh that, my God. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yep. <laughs> sure is. That's, yeah, it's crazy. Um, and that's where we first met as, yeah, young men. Mm -hmm. Not the wizened old uh, men we are now, but we were <laughs> full of life and energy. And yeah, that's where we met and we got on really well. And I liked the way he thought about games and he liked the way I thought about games. And from then on, I went off to Japan pretty soon after uh, Blue 52, but we always kept in contact mm -hmm. and we were like, we worked together so well. One day it would be cool if we could come together and make a company and then make our own games was the kind of thing we always talked about over the years, like over two decades, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there was a small intermission where I worked in Japan for 20 years. And then <laughs> we, we got together and yeah. And then formed all possible futures. Nice. Nice. Now are, you, are are we are we not talking at all about what happened in Japan or <laughs> we don't talk about, we don't talk about what happened in Japan that stays in Japan no we we can talk oh. we could talk about that <laughs> okay yeah. yeah I mean what, what, what did you do anything interesting in those twenty years <laughs> yeah yeah um, I ate a lot of ramen uh, mm -hmm. uh, went to a few game centers mm -hmm. uh, collected quite a lot of capsule toys and worked in the games industry over there mm -hmm. um mostly on the pokemon series of games it was i did i made a lot of pokemon games i was tallying them up before getting onto yeah. this podcast and it, yeah it's a lot of pokemon games from yeah from the time i got there i was making pokemon games until the time i left and then bits and other games in between along the way but yeah pretty much always on pokemon titles of some form or other Nice. Did you did you just go straight into to that when you went to Japan? Like, did you just show up and they're like, "This guy <laughs> knows how to make stuff like this." Yeah, exactly. That was it. Um, yeah, yeah. Pretty, it was. Yeah, pretty much. That was it. Yeah, nice. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, because while I was in um, Blue Fifty Two, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I came up with an original game idea called Rock Troll, uh, mm-hmm. which I worked with Bids for a little bit on, actually. We were kind of developing it. It never turned into a, a full project. But yeah. I love Pokemon at the time. I'm like a big Nintendo fan. I love Pokemon. Yeah. And Rock Troll was kind of a Pokemon-esque character. Uh, and I did like a 3D animation of that that yeah. character. And that was part of my showreel. What happened was I went on holiday uh, to Japan. And then my friend, who's Japanese, Shinsaku, he, he said, well, while you're over in Japan, why don't you just send out your showreel, your portfolio to companies and see what comes up? So I did that. And then it just so happened at that time, a company called Genius Sonority had just been formed. And they were funded by Nintendo and the Pokemon company. And they were tasked with making uh, 3D home console versions of Pokemon because Pokemon had just been handheld games up until that point. And yeah. they were they were going to be developing the first like home console version of Pokemon. And they were looking, because the studio was just formed, they were looking for people who could help them do that. And I came along, yeah. I had this showreel of a kind of a Pokemon looking creature running and jumping around and they liked the look of it. And so they were like, yeah, have an interview. I went to the interview. I didn't speak Japanese at the time. So that was a little awkward. And they, But we kind of, we figured it out. And when you're an artist, you kind of get by on how much people like your work. And yeah. so communication obviously is important, but you can kind of scrape by. And they, they, yeah. liked, they liked what they saw. And yeah, so they offered me the job like, um, within that week and then the next month I was mo- moving to Japan and that was <laughs> how that all started that's that's, <laughs> that's <amazing>. crazy that's, <laughs> that's, good job good job your friend yeah seriously like, I owe him a beer well I've I've I bought many beers since then so good yeah yeah, yeah. one beer for every Pokemon <laughs> a thousand <laughs> thousand beers yeah pretty much yeah that's that's really cool we actually, um, in, in one of our previous episodes, uh, John Terrell or JT, uh, we talked to him about how he was the first person to smuggle Pokemon into England. Oh, really? Uh, in large black trucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they were smuggling <laughs> the Pokemon into England. Um, how, how did he manage yeah. that? Just, just pile them all in a truck, as I understand it. Right, right. And then just snuck them across a bridge or something like that. Is he a I member of um, exact details? Is he a member of Team Rocket? Is that the deal with JT? No, no, no. It was, uh, it was like, it was like the, it was one of the first, not one of the first, but it was a big new thing for Pokemon. I can't remember what it was, but it was a big, it was a major milestone event, and they had to bring in like the, like he was working with a PR company. And they had to bring in um, the, you know, the whatever, like all the Pokemon yeah. displays and stuff like yeah. that. So they yeah. ended up like bringing them in on like these like black trucks and stuff. Right, like right. That. Yeah, so I it remember. a lot more ominous than it was. Yeah, I remember he, he told me about like his involvement with Pokemon. I didn't realize it was a covert, covert operational <laughs> yeah. in the dead of yeah, night yeah, yeah. kind of a thing. But he left that part back before. Yeah, before that, they were only available in small places in Japan, but he was part of, like, smuggling them out into the world. Right. And, uh, you know, that's why they're everywhere now. Well, that must have inspired me, which mm-hmm. inspired me to make Rock Tour, which got me into Japan. So I owe everything to JT. There we go. And you're a JT, a JT too. JT, yeah, so. exactly. 
So you guys might be the same person as far as I know. I've never seen you both in the same place. Right, right. You've got me wondering now. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's that's a pretty cool thing to do for 20 years. Um, do art and design for Pokemon. Did, and Sorry, did you get to make some as well? Yeah, so um, I, yeah, I designed quite a lot of Pokemon. It's um, amazing. Yeah, came up with some of the character designs. Quite a lot, of, uh, quite a few human designs as well. Yeah, and I was the art director on Sword and Shield, which was the last game uh, that I released. We released before leaving, before I left yeah. Game Freak. So yeah, I did lots of different. I mean, I did lots of different things on the series. That's I did amazing. like particle effects, cutscene direction, yeah. uh, Pokemon design, lots of different stuff. It was fun. It was good. That's so cool. That's cool. Um, I mean, has that so? And then leaving that, now you're doing an indie game. Yep, yep, indeed. That's thrilling. How how has that kind of? I mean, how did how did you make that transition? Well, I mean, I guess indie is just in a way, it's just a description of how the games are released, right? I mean you're an independent studio and uh, it's a different way of releasing what you made to the, to the public. But mm -hmm. really, it's still, it's just about creating, do you want to create something original or do you want to create yeah. something in a big franchise? Uh, and both are fun. I really enjoyed mm -hmm. creating something in a big franchise. That's, that's great with loads of fans that appreciate the work and appreciate the games that's yeah. super exciting in its own way but then there's something really exciting about thinking of an idea and then uh, working with your buddy and then cooking something up showing it to people getting mm -hmm. them excited and then creating something from zero and establishing a world that's super exciting as well and yeah so i did that in game freak which is kind of a bigger studio but it's also just exciting to have your own studio and you know it's all on it all it all comes down to you and your your partner and the team that you assemble and that's kind of exciting in its own way so yeah yeah, yeah. i mean that's that seems to me like exciting and also maybe a little more daunting uh <laughs> just because you know with you know if you're when you're working with someone like pokemon like people are going to see it they're going to play it and you know they already know it and they think you've got all these people already invested and you are a part of this bigger thing, but like going out and doing your own thing, starting, you know, a new venture is, I mean, I, I think you're, I mean, exciting is probably the word. It's, it's it sounds, it sounds thrilling. <laughs> and a, a little nerve wracking, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, I mean, it yeah. sounds terrifying to me. I obviously have never made an indie game. Uh, Cause it just sounds, I mean, there's just, it's, uh, I guess I'm curious about the difference in like, when you make something in a Pokemon game, you know people are going to see it and they're going to look at it. Yeah. Just because it's there. Yeah. When you're doing something like this, you've got to you've got to find ways to bring people in. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that's true. And then it comes yeah. I think it comes down to the strength of the idea. Like Yeah. And that's one good thing about working with Devolver is that I think Devolver have a good sense for that kind of thing. What's exciting yeah. or what what people are gonna what's gonna catch people's attention, and yeah. that has been 
a great thing because we start off, uh, me and Bids, we start off by making a completely different prototype actually as our first mm -hmm. game. And we think it's cool and it has potential, but um, it didn't quite get the traction that we hoped it would. It was kind of like a third person combat game. And we're still mm -hmm. kind of thinking about it. Maybe it's something we're going to develop more in the future, but it didn't immediately grab people's attention the same way that the plucky squires grab people's attention so we kind of left that combat game um on the shelf for the time being yeah and then we came up with the idea of the plucky squire and that immediately that got people excited about it and uh yeah. we showed it to uh the good folks at devolver and people were excited about it so that's when we knew okay this is you know grabbing attention and that feels good and that kind of motivated us more and and so yeah all that to say that like working with a publisher that knows and understands games is a good way to kind of test the waters and kind of get a feel for how people are going to react to it and kind of trusting in devolvers sensibilities and ability to recognize something that could be unique or exciting and then of course you you also have faith in your own idea by yourself but it you, sure it's good to good to see other people reacting well to it and then that excitement has just kind of carried on since the beginning of the project really people that we've been showing it to have had good reactions and like excited about yeah. it and kind of wanted to work with us on it and when we released the trailer it was just like another level of that of showing it to the general public showing it to gamers and seeing their reaction yeah. to it which has been super positive and yeah it's just kind of like a a rolling ball of excitement which is we're all caught up in <laughs> which is it has been cool it has it has a magical like it feels magical when you see and actually i realize we've been talking about plucky squire assuming everybody knows but like we haven't really described like the premise of plucky squire to anyone who isn't already aware so yeah. uh would you mind telling those who don't already know what plucky squire is all about sure yeah so the idea is that um you play a hero of a storybook like kind of a kid's fairy tale storybook and this hero called jot is eternally fighting against the villain of the storybook storybook who's called humgrump and humgrump at some point along the way gains self-awareness he realizes that he's this villain in the storybook um, and he's had enough of it. He doesn't want to deal with this anymore. Like, why can't he be the main character in this book? Why does Jot always get the limelight? And Humgrump devises a way to get Jot out of the book and take over the book. His plan is to take over the book for himself. Mm -hmm. And so as the plucky squire, you get knocked out of the book onto the desk where this book mm -hmm. is placed it's actually in the room of a nine-year-old boy. So you're on the desk of this nine-year-old boy. And you it's kind of like a mind-blowing realization for Jot because he, he imagined that his whole world was, you know, the real world. But he, he then realizes that there's a world beyond his world. And there are kind of challenges out there and uh, enemies. And Humgrump has also got plans to kind of seal the book shut so that no one can ever uh 
go against him and that involves mm-hmm. him kind of messing with the outside world as well and so mm-hmm. your adventure takes you across the desk which is pre- presented in uh 3d in realistic 3d yeah unreal yeah. engine and back into the book which is kind of more of a 2d cute kind of game so there's a big contrast between the 2d artwork of the book and the 3d beautiful realistic rendering of the room yeah it's such a cool i want to say it was at one of our big group meetings or something like that that's this is how i remember it i'm, I'm not sure it's been a long time like the first time we saw plucky squire um but i don't know everybody like there's just that first moment like because you're looking at it and you're like oh cool this is like a really cute 2d game you know and you're this character this is great and the first time you jump out of the book is just like <laughs> what yeah <laughs> and it's just really yeah just everybody's just like oh this is oh this is great <laughs> yeah that's cool it's a very matrix moment yeah exactly matrix yeah yeah <laughs> it's um also kind of last action hero in a way that's, oh that, my God, that's something that sometimes occurs to me as well. I think the villain in that movie, he mm-hmm. realizes that he's the villain or he, he becomes kind of self-aware. He figures it out too. Right? Yeah. That's Charles Dance. Charles so Dance, yeah. Movie. Yeah, with like a, a red contact lens or a yellow contact lens or something, right? He's, yeah, he's got like glass eyes. Yeah, so glass eyes. like it. changing it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that movie Cool so movie. Much. So Jot, Jot is Arnold Schwarzenegger in this, in this analogy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's yeah, fantastic. it's that that moment is like the wow moment. And yeah. that was what we were kind of planning for in the first trailer that we created. It all kind of builds up to that moment. And then it was so cool to see that have the desired effect when the trailer was released. And you could see live streams of people watching the trailer and then reacting the way you, you said, like kind of amazed when he jumps out of the book and then oh wow you can actually go onto this desk and run around and yeah it's cool it's cool to see yeah it's yeah it's super exciting um so you know we worked with bits before on swords of ditto yeah and i remember him talking about his motivation for a lot of his motivations in that game being about like wanting wanting to make a game that his kids could play together yeah um and that was focused on like cooperation and teamwork and it just just very much had them in mind yeah uh you know what he wanted to impart to them and i wonder is that a similar vibe with this game is that something y'all think about is that kind of the an, an intention yeah it i mean it has become that it has become that it did bec- yeah it didn't start with that intention in mind it started yeah. with, I have a particular um, kind of style that I illustrate in. Um, mm-hmm. And I draw lots of silly artwork and kind of post it on Twitter or just kind of as a hobby kind of a thing. It's this really simple kind of artwork style. And I was thinking about games that could kind of utilize that style. And then I had the idea of well, it looks kind of like storybook illustrations. So mm-hmm. maybe I could make a game uh, that took that art as like storybook illustrations and then you could become the main character of that storybook. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I guess it kind of locks it into a certain kind of uh, aesthetic and a certain kind of audience, right? Because it looks mm-hmm. it looks like a kid's 
storybooks. So already it's inviting for like younger players. Um, yeah. And then once we're kind of on that rail or on that kind of mm. vibe or whatever you would say, then you start to think about, well, what kind of game should it be and who, who do we want to play it? And, and, yeah. and Bid and I both really like, yeah, that kind of family oriented Pixar kind of feel where it yeah. has a kind of magical feel and kids can enjoy it. And yeah, Bid is a dad, I'm a dad. And the idea of our kids being able to enjoy it and, yeah. and but also at the same time, grown-ups able to enjoy it and maybe people who have enjoyed like retro games, like Nintendo games, like us. Mm. I mean, we're kind of doing it as a game that we enjoy to play as well. We love retro games and, you know, like Punch-Out or, or you know, like... Oh my God, the punch out part is so hard. <laughs> yeah, that's that's cool. That's cool. Um, and like side scrolling, uh, like shoot shooters, you know, like yeah. um, there's one that you can play on the side of a toy tub, like all those mm-hmm. kind of things. We we love all that. So so that kind of that's a throwback for us, and we enjoy playing that. And we imagine that lots of other people, like people, uh, you know not super young players they're going to enjoy that kind of thing like older players are going to enjoy that too yeah so yeah like a wholesome game that everyone can enjoy that yeah that is where this game has kind of taken us and we're happy to be in that that arena we feel comfortable in that arena and uh yeah i think i think we work well there but at the same Mm. time when you've got that wholesome kind of uh, vibe going on to the game. It's fun to kind of subvert that sometimes and do something unexpected or pull the yeah. rug from under people's feet. And I think we kind of want to have moments like that in the game from time to time. So it's it's fun to people play. People on their toes. Yeah, exactly. Like the part where Jot jumps into like HP Lovecraft. <laughs> yeah, Cthulhu. <laughs> The yeah. Cthulhu boss battle, yeah. Yeah, just gets real weird. I, I, you know, I hadn't remembered, but yeah, you guys do have, there's like a lot of cool, like, little mini game moments where, like, the gameplay shifts and changes as you go through. I mean, and even the transition, like, you know, the art going, like, from 2D to 3D, and both of them, you know, each of them would have stood, like, would have been able to stand on their own. Is it, is it, a, is this, do you, do you get to flex a lot as you're making this game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think yeah? Bids really enjoys that. He, yeah. He, he's really good at putting together um, the different kind of games that we yeah. we're making. So, like, he really enjoyed putting together that Punch Out mini game. I think, and then yeah, uh, like that shooting game on the side of the tub uh mm-hmm. an archery mini game those i think that's his happy place when he's putting those together and they always yeah. turn out so nicely like really polished and and uh and just they feel good when you play them so yeah yeah um he really enjoys that and then we have a team of of talented people that kind of make it all possible and it's mm-hmm. fun to be looking at because we're kind of doing all of this on Slack and then 
during my day, I'm looking at someone who's creating this really cute 2D animation. And then like five minutes later, I'm looking at this ultra realistic rendered object that's going to sit on the desk. And mm -hmm. it's, it's really fun to switch between that and kind of work with people who have talents in different areas and let them flex in their particular channel and let mm -hmm. the other person flex in their channel. And then it's not often that you can have a game that can combine all those elements into one. And, yeah. and the thing that we wanted to do was make each of those directions kind of true to what their potential is in a way. Like you could imagine that if Jot jumped out of the book in a different game balance, the outside world could be kind of stylized and a bit cartoony looking or mm -hmm. um, a bit more whimsical looking. But we didn't want to do that. We want the outside world to look ultra realistic. And so we kind of lean into whatever direction that is open to us and make it yeah. as uh, much of its own essence as possible. So the really realistic stuff is re really realistic. The cute stuff is really cute. And then, and then we have like the people that we're working with who are really talented in those particular areas and they can kind of push their skills to the maximum degree in that particular direction, which is kind of a fun gameplay experience and it's also fun to make. Yeah, the contrast I think is what really just kind of pushes it over the extreme, which is like going from very, very cutesy storybook to like, like you said, like hyper-realistic real world. Yeah. And if, if it was like a stylized real world, I don't know if it would have worked as well, but it, it works so great <laughs> because of that. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I think one of the key words that we have about the game is surprise. Always oh. like surprising oh, yeah. the player. Um, so the mini games in the book are, are kind of, that, that was the concept with the idea of a book because each page can be a completely different kind of game style, right? You're not tied to doing a top-down game all the way through. The next page could be a boxing game. The, game. the page after that could be a shooting game. And then when we were talking about the idea, I took the idea to bids at the beginning. And then uh, it was within that those discussions, I think he suggested like the idea of going out onto the, onto the desk, which is the biggest surprise that you can imagine, right? Yeah. Within that game. And so... Yeah, that's the, that is the, uh, yeah, that's the, the direction that we always wanted to come back to. How do we su surprise the player? And yeah, if you jump out from a cutesy kind of book into a cutesy looking outside world, that's not so much of a surprise as if you jump from a cutesy environment into this ultra realistic, unreal engine lit scene. What have been, I mean, it's a very unique game in the way you're doing it. Have there been some particularly unique challenges that y'all have or, or continue to face when making it? Yeah. Well, the fact that we're making like 20 games at the same time is kind of challenging. No, <laughs> <laughs> <Well>, thank you. <laughs> it is. Like, we sometimes talk about it between ourselves. Like, if, if we were just making one game with a single system that we had to iterate through lots of different levels... That would be so easy. I mean, it wouldn't be easy. Spoilers, it wouldn't be easy. But <laughs> it, it feels like it would be so much easier than what we're trying to do. Like, 
yeah. we, we have so many different genres of game and we have to make all of them feel good. We can't we don't just want to throw up a mini game and have it be a kind of superficial uh, version of what we want it to be and not feel good. It has to feel polished and it has to be mm-hmm. easy to understand and feel fair and feel exciting. So each of those mini games has to be balanced to where the player is really enjoying every moment they're spending with them. And we just have to do that across lots of different genres all at the same time. So that is definitely the big challenge of this game. Like once you've got one thing polished, it's like time to look at the next thing and then the thing after that and, and balancing, balancing the difficulty across all of those things. Cause some games may be inherently, uh, more frantic than others and trying to balance all those different genres in a kind of smooth difficulty curve. It's a lot to, it's a lot to figure out. Yeah. Making them flow into one another. So you can surprise the player, but you don't bewilder them. Yeah. 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 And like, yeah, exactly. So we always want it to be intuitive. We don't Mm -hmm. want the player to jump into something and have no idea what they're supposed to be doing or there's a kind of a tempo to the game. And mm-hmm. we found that out recently when we did something, we had a kind of more strategic mini game and it just mm-hmm. didn't work at all. You've, there's a kind of an action uh, feel to everything and a kind of a good tempo. And then to suddenly mm-hmm. slow down and to think about what you're supposed to do, uh, it, it kind of, it doesn't fit with the flow of things. And so we're changing that up to be more intuitive mm-hmm. and more fast paced and, uh, and hopefully it will fit in the general flow of things a little bit better. But yeah, that's something we've always got a, an eye on and always kind of thinking about how to balance. Yeah. Are there any characters or designs in the 2D or the 3D world, or maybe, maybe it's one of the ones that bridges both, but that, are there any of the characters that really stand out as favorites for you? Hmm. Yeah. What I really like Moonbeard, who is the oh. <laughs> yeah. the DJ wizard. <laughs> yeah, he's a, a funny character. Um yeah. kind of an easygoing DJing wizard. I like the idea of a Gandalf character that is just a bit cooler with he's got his shades <laughs> on. Right? <laughs> yeah, so he's he's a favorite of mine. But then Yeah, it's it's fun to design a lot of these characters, um, like the enemies. I'm always trying to kind of come up with a different concept for each enemy, not just a this animal. It's this animal mm-hmm. with this kind of aspect to them. Like we've got yeah. uh, a starling that also looks like a kind of yoga style character that we call the Nama starling, or we've got the honey badger that's also so it's a honey badger that's also a boxer with honey on its fists as boxing gloves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i think that might have come from my previous work like <laughs> <laughs> having char- characters but with some kind of motif behind them that always mm-hmm. makes a character a bit more interesting interesting if it's not yeah. just this particular species or this particular monster but it has some kind of funny twist to it or some kind of funny uh motif that's always more entertaining to encounter i think 
you don't it's not a it's not an issue for you where you like start to come up with one and then like old habits kick in and then you're like well i've got to decide like what they like what they don't like what they're weak to what they're strong against. what's their type yeah what's yeah. the what's the evolution chain look at yeah <laughs> flashbacks they got <laughs> yeah just going down a rabbit hole they gotta gotta bring me back yeah back in the weeds no although yeah i can see i can see that being a potential pitfall but Luckily, I have skated around that so far. Yeah. You're a stronger man than I. There's, there's, there, there are things I want to ask about and I want to talk about about the game, but people haven't gotten to really get their hands on it yet, so I worry that we'll be kind of talking about things that we can't talk about. Right, right. Yeah, it's tricky. And I, I also don't want to spoil yeah. things, like talking about pulling the rug from under, under peop, underneath people. Like, I don't want to go into that too much. Yeah. <laughs> We'll just have to have you on again after the game okay. comes out. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> That's so we true. can just all talk about it. Part two. That's true. Part two. Yeah. How do you, I mean, you know, you're talking about the surprise and stuff like that and, and, and the pacing and, and, and that sort of thing. And I feel like there's delight. I feel like is kind of a word that's that kind of should also, or that fits the game like there's an air of like whimsical just delight in the way things kind of pan out like the characters are all very fun right. and lighthearted and stuff like that right. and how do you how do you kind of foster that in a game and, and how does that look with the team yeah um we're just delightful people i think that's the answer like nailed it yeah right. that's it Perfect. delightful people make delightful <laughs> things <laughs> That must be why all the stuff I make is total shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of like the, the Miyazaki Junji Ito comparison. Right, right, um, right. Oh, where, yeah. <laughs> where it's like the, the art and it's all ghibli and beautiful and the artist and he's like, this world is terrible and no one should live in it. And then Junji Ito and then the artist and he's like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, nice. Yeah, well, yeah. Delight, I guess, I just like making things that make me feel good when I look at them yeah. and make me feel happy. Um, yeah. I like all that kind of thing. I like like the old Pixar movies. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I like Nintendo games. Kind of mm -hmm. happy. I like drawing Kirby a lot. I've got into a, <laughs> a Kirby drawing addiction. I, for the past three years, I've just been drawing many, many pictures of Kirby for whatever reason. <laughs> nice. And, and I kind of post them. Shaped like a friend. Exactly. A round friend. And I post yeah. that kind of art to social media like Twitter and Instagram. And mm -hmm. people sometimes tell me that or, or comment that this particular picture made them smile or like mm -hmm. it kind of made them happy to see it. I always like to hear that. The idea of contributing something, even if it's a small thing, that kind of brightens up someone's day a little bit, I think that feels good to do that. And so this game is kind of along the same lines. If you can make someone happier or give them a few hours of enjoyment, I think that's a worthwhile thing. And so with that kind of thing in mind, like creating a world that just feels like a nice place to be, and characters that yeah. you want to hang out with and designs that make you smile that kind of makes me feel happy and i hope that it makes the people playing feel happy 
That's awesome. Yeah, I was like, that got so noble. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah, that's fantastic. Well, it sounds noble, but <laughs> it's just, it's just, yeah, it just. But it's it, no, yeah. If, it's, I think it's noble in the purest way of right, like where it's just like, make it good, make the world a little better. Yeah, I mean, a little nicer. My next game will be a dark horror uh, where everyone's going to feel terrible by the end of it. I've got a. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so this is... So, so 2023's been getting to Yeah, you. that's it. Like, enough with the happiness. Enough with the smiling. I just want everyone to feel bad at the end of this game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, wonderful. Oh, I've played games like that. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a phenomenon someone told me about, and I, I mean, I think it's true, at least in my experience, when I've been drawing, is that... I can't remember how they phrased it, but basically, like when you're when someone is drawing a character's face in an expression, the artist is almost always making that face oh. while they draw it. Yeah. <laughs> do you you do that? You do that when you're drawing? Uh I I, I know on a couple occasions I very specifically <laughs> have done that. I remember I remember drawing and spending a lot of time working on a pretty badass demon drawing one time, and I was I had angry by the time I was done with it, like I just was like, I was, I was there with it by the time I got through with it. The art consumed so. the man. Yeah. 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 yeah well, I, so. I find myself doing the same thing when I'm drawing, I'm making the expressions of the characters yeah. as I go. Yeah. Yeah. That is definitely a thing. You've just been eating a lot of stuff while drawing Kirby, I guess. Yeah, that's it. I've, I'm now spherical. <laughs> Big full cheeks. <laughs> that's why I'm not on the webcam right now. I'm just... <laughs> just inhaling yeah. all this stuff. <laughs> nice. Um, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us, Jamie, and, and talking about all this stuff and, and meeting with us. Uh, this is really cool, and we're all very excited about this here video game y'all is making. Well, thank you. It's been really fun to talk to you. And yeah, it's yeah. the first time, I think this is the first time that I've properly talked about the game in any kind of extended format. We're warming you up for the real podcast. Right, right. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> part two or of this one or yeah, other other podcasts, right. <laughs> yeah, the people, the, the people with... I don't know agendas and structure and <laughs> stuff like that in their shows and tough hard questions it couldn't be better than this this is the real deal this is it yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of delight and sharing joy with people uh, one of the things that brings delight to most of our listeners uh, and really everyone in the world is when Jared does the thing I'm gonna go ahead and say no it does not but uh <laughs> <laughs> It's just, ah, oh, they're doing the thing. They just click off the video. <laughs> like, ah, it's over now, is it? Oh, cool, it's done, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I guess I gotta I guess I gotta do the thing now, right? Do you like video games, particularly those video games published by Devolver Digital? Well, good news. We've got a myriad of different places you can learn about them and follow them and all of that good stuff, all the good socials. Got, the, got that Twitter at Devolver Digital. Got an Instagram at Devolver Digital. Got a Facebook, if for whatever reason you still use Facebook. Um, got a Twitch. Sometimes some streams happen on there. Uh, it's obviously at Devolver Digital. On a Discord, there's a forecast sub sub chat thing on Discord, too, so you can talk to us directly. 
and uh, and our website as well, where you can find websites for all the games, even one for Plucky Squire. I don't know if it's actually out yet or not, but there will be one, a Plucky Squire website, which will be cool. Um, it's going to be so cool. And, uh, yeah, I think that's all of the places, right? Oh, and TikTok. Yeah, I can't oh, forget. Tics. can't. I can't get a. I can't forget Zach. Zach doing them Tic Tacs. Uh, you know, if you are from that generation that understands that crap. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, follow us everywhere, and you can learn about different games and uh, keep up with updates from Plucky Squire as well. So, woo! That's the thing. It's not very exciting. I think Jamie may have passed out from delight. I'm just it stunned. No, he he clicked off the video. Like I, <laughs> I left. And <laughs> like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> I'm gone. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for being here, Jamie. And, yeah, thank uh, you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It was great. Bye. Bye-bye. Hello there, friends. It's me, J.M., If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, by now you've figured out that I'm not very good at time or timing. And I failed to mention that Steam Next Fest is coming up uh, this coming week, and we've got a lot of really exciting demos for you to try. So go ahead and get onto Steam uh, starting Monday the 19th and play a lot of really cool Devolver demos. We'll have a landing page set up for you there. Uh, Go ahead and check that out play the demos, wishlist the games, and, uh, yeah. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Imagine if, in an instant, you lost everything you truly love, and the only clue as to how that happened is a mysterious firearm known as the Gumbrella. Gumbrella. Love is a fundamental motivating factor in everything that we do at Doinksaw. So when this man began his search for the truth, we knew we had to tell his story. Follow one man's unyielding quest across a bitter landscape as he attempts to unlock the secrets of this most unorthodox weapon. We realized very early on that the Gumbrella is not only a firearm that can utilize several different types of ammunition, but it's also a powerful traversal tool, allowing for dashes, double jumps, and even zip lining. All things that our unlikely hero will need as he investigates ruined and crumbling towns, underground facilities, and the terraced gardens of the social elite. We've been working on unraveling the mystery of the Gumbrella for X months slash years now, and we're still uncovering new mysteries, not only about the Gumbrella itself, but about the world that it comes from. Follow Doinksoft's incredible journey by visiting Steam and wishlisting Gumbrella today.